Jim Gaffigan is like one of my all-time favorite comedians, and I was listening to an interview with him recently where he said all comedy is self-assignment. Nobody asks me to go out and do another comedy special. I just go and do it. And that quote, that thought stuck with me for the next week, and I, I was just like mulling it around in my head, and as I was thinking about it, I was like, man, this is actually a really deep truth about the creative process in general. All creativity is self-assignment. Nobody is coming to beg you to write that next song you haven't written, to start that podcast you just had an idea for. Uh, nobody's coming to challenge you to record that video or write that essay or blog post or book. No, all creativity is self-assignment. Motion begets motion. The reward for good work is more work. Yeah, and I, f I feel like some like big, massive, epic ideas just sit around waiting in the distance, spying on us, watching and waiting to see how we treat the small ones before they uh, like trust us to come and say hi. Yeah, the way I've experienced it, if you're waiting for something external to tell you what to do next, you could be staying there waiting for quite a long time. But here's the deal, because I find myself constantly playing devil's advocate way too much and way too often, I mean... <laughs> Frankly, I've got a few friends uh, that it annoys the ever-living crap out of, I'm sure. Just in conversation, well, I'm going to throw the devil's advocate thing out here. Let me, let me play that for a second. No, I find myself regularly questioning myself and this uh, new curiosity doctrine of mine. The doctrine of self-assignment is what I'm thinking about calling it. Uh, I, f I find myself like asking, okay, is this really a truth in all aspects of creativity? So I find myself thinking about, about my journey. I'm a bass player. Sure, I've wasted a ton of time in my life sitting around waiting for someone else to tell me what to do, what to play, what to learn. But that's kind of part of what I love about playing bass, partnering with an artist to help make their musical vision a reality. And frankly, tons of artists have called me out of the blue, seemingly, and asked me to play with them. Self-assignment my ass. I've been externally assigned plenty in my life. But then the more I think about it, the more I realize that the majority of these times, the ones where I was called seemingly out of the blue, turns out it was actually because of this idea I just said a second ago, motion begets motion. By the way, in the, like this world of uh, creating and organizing these curiosity doctrines, what the hell do I call this, by the way? Like a clause, a sub-doctrine, an amendum, whatever. I'll figure it out at some point this year <laughs> as I'm moving along here. Uh, where was I? Oh, oh yeah. Okay, here's the deal. Here's what I know to be truth. People get hired to do the things that they're already doing. Here's an example. A friend of mine who's a showrunner out in LA was recently telling me about how frustrated he's been getting with this younger writer who's been honing this craft of writing for years, uh, and he ended up writing this script that got picked up for a pilot for a major network. But then this uh, writer started demanding that they be given a shot at being the showrunner of this show's pilot episode. Uh, and the showrunner, by the way, is essentially somebody that oversees the entire production. Um, they oversee, you know, uh, hiring of actors, the directors. Uh, they, they are essentially the overall arching vision for the show. And I, I mean, they're like the most important uh, person that nobody talks about in the creative process. Anyways, my friend is explaining to this writer, man, it's a big deal to do this. There's a ton of money on the line and the production company, the network needs somebody with experience. If you want to do the whole showrunner thing, then let me get you an entry level position so you can start from the ground up and learn the industry ropes. Okay. Uh, maybe this story is a little too vague, 
let me try to put some meat on it. Let me think of a better example. Um, something personal. Uh, okay, check this out. Um, this this weekend, a few days ago, I did a photo shoot here in Minneapolis with an artist I'd never met before. Uh, they hit me up on Instagram and asked if they could hire me to photograph them for some upcoming media press that they had coming up. Uh, some upcoming, coming up, uh, it's upcoming in the future, coming right up. What the hell am I saying? I digress. Uh, at first, if I think about this, somebody that I've never met before hitting me up, coming out of the blue, that might seem like an exception to this rule that all creativity is self-assignment. But in actuality, uh, they started following me on Instagram, and after seeing the candid documentary black and white style photography that I've been doing for the past few years while on the road with music, they re just reached out and asked if I'd do that with them. Here's the deal. Nobody approached me while I was on tour a few years back in Japan and said, man, you should pick up this camera and this roll of black and white film and start diving into this visual medium for the first time. No, I had zero idea that it would lead to anything. I, there's no way I thought at that time that somebody else would find this interesting too, let alone pay me to do it in the future. It started out just like music did for me. And I have this feeling and I would put money down that it started out just like whatever creative endeavor you're in the middle of right now. A small spark of curiosity that led to something more. Yeah, now that I think about it, just about every external request for creative collaboration in my life has come from someone simply saying, man, I love what you're doing. Will you do that with me? Motion begets motion. And it's not just comedy, music, photography, and creativity that lives by this rule. I feel like a lot of the rest of life does too, but it's not always so obvious. Uh, in fact, it can oftentimes be mistaken as a contradiction to this rule. Uh, but I'm starting to get the feeling that might not be. I mean, I was grabbing breakfast with my buddy Joel last week when he said the best things in life are the things that happen by accidents. So now, accidents, happenstance, luck, Coincidence? Are these an exception to the doctrine of self-assignment or are there things that we can do, say, are there things that we can do to, say, spur them on, give them a little nudge? Why is it that some people seem to have all the luck in the world? Can we do anything? Yeah. Is there anything in our control that we can do to make ourselves a little bit more lucky? Is there a way we can position ourselves in a way that might say it track those external happenstances just a little bit more. And that is an idea and concept I want to talk with you about today. Have you ever heard of this term manifesting? If so, what comes to mind when you hear it? For me, a ton of imagery used to come to mind when I heard that term. And at its grossest with my history, this like this picture kind of came to mind of like this oily southern preacher. It's like someone screaming some sort of prosperity gospel. God wants you to be wealthy and happy and have everything you want in life. Just make a list, give it to God, and you'll make it all happen. Oh, and don't forget, send a check or money order to the address on your screen, and we'll uh, make sure to have a talk with the big guy on your behalf. Yeah, it all just seemed to be a little too woo-woo for me. Uh, something involving a wish list, hoping hard for hard enough for it to come true, and then saying something like Jumanji three times out loud in real life to seal the deal. <laughs> I mean, maybe if I were to just like set down my freaking baggage for a second, I would back up and uh, instead of like trying to define it first, this thought of manifesting, I would almost 
approach it with curiosity and ask myself why someone becomes curious about manifesting in the first place. The way I see it, it usually begins with somebody in a scenario where they want something that they don't currently have. Be, do, or get. Those are the three categories that come to mind for me. You either want to be something you're currently not, you want to do something you're currently not, currently, you're, you want to do something you're currently not, or you want to get something you don't currently have. I mean, uh, let's get personal uh, for a second here. Money, gigs, and confidence. Those are the three main things for me that have always led to a curiosity about manifesting in my uh, previously in my life. And I guess like now that I think about it and I say it out loud, um, I guess I viewed all three of them as interconnected. If I could just land that gig, my bills would be paid and I'd finally be able to have like all let go of all my insecurities and finally be confident as a, as a person and as a musician because of this successful gig I landed. Yeah, it was this belief that there was something external that would satisfy something internal within me. Looking back, the majority of all my misunderstanding of manifesting what it was and how it worked was mainly that I had it backwards. If I could only just like get all this external shit sorted out in my life, then I'd be able to square away the stuff on the inside. So a couple weeks ago when my buddy uh, shot me a text asking about my experience and opinions when it came to this topic of manifesting, my first instinct was to respond by saying that I was not the best person to talk to on the subject. Right? Because that's how it works, uh, right? Like a, a friend asks your opinion on something, and then we go through the Rolodex in our minds of all the things we know for sure about the topic. But for me, uh, him asking my opinion on this actually just opened up the Rolodex of all the misunderstandings and the things I've realized how wrong I was in the past. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized I actually had quite a few thoughts on the subject, insights that came from this original deep misunderstanding of the subject. But still, I found myself super hesitant to get together because my current belief and understanding of manifesting has actually been informed, like most things in my life, from things and places you might not expect, from music, from poetry, and as weird as it might sound, from the wizarding world of Harry Potter. <laughs> even saying this out loud. Uh, I just, I, yeah, I feel weird saying it out loud, but I, I know this is random, but it'll make sense here in a second. So... Uh, before I share part of our conversation with you, here's the deal. I excluded quite a bit from this conversation uh, because my friend is a musician and producer here in town, and he's currently in the middle of a creative project that has been hitting a creative block while in the studio recording. And it's it's like happening in a way that he's never experienced before now. Uh, and he, he found, has found himself curious about this topic of manifesting when it comes to ideas and inspiration on this. And he asked if I'd come over for coffee one morning and share my thoughts on the subject with him. And I asked if he'd be cool if we recorded the conversation because apparently that's what I do now. So I'm glad I did it because I want to share it with you. In this, I share my experience and how my understanding of the topic has changed over the years. And then we dive into at some point into the tangible practical specifics of manifesting and the things that he can try out when it comes to the specific situation that he's in. But because of the private nature of him in this conversation and just because I don't want to be that freaking weirdo that's, uh, that's sharing everybody's information all the time. Uh, we stopped recording at some point and I've been sitting on this convo, like this first section, I dive into it and just share my thoughts 
um, about this topic and where I went wrong for so long and where I'm at right now. And I've been sitting on it for like two weeks because I've been trying to figure out how to wrap it up and give it some sort of like, you know, uh, book and closure. Like maybe I could come back at the end and I'll come back and I'm going to share a few practical tips on how you can implement manifesting in your life wherever you're at right now. I, but I just like, the more I sit on this, the grosser that feels to me. I don't think I'm going to do that. I think I'm just going to leave this combo as is. Yeah, no clever wrap up. And my hope is that this simply sparks curiosity in your life, wherever you're at right now on the topic of manifesting. Yeah, so grab a cup of coffee and join me and my buddy as I share some of my thoughts on my past misunderstanding of this topic of manifesting. The conversation about manifesting, it, it's its actually a conversation about realizing that there are rules that the universe works in, mm -hmm. and there are things that we can do to our, align ourselves with it. And I think we have a lot of language barriers. I always say travel is a big part of this for me. When I remember traveling, I, be, I understood faith and spirit, and I, yeah, faith and spirituality more because I realized, started going to other countries, and I started realizing people... I go to Japan and they have a certain word for bread there. And then I go to Germany on the other side of the earth and they have a word for bread there that's completely different, but they're talking about the same thing. They may yeah. go about it, it may look a little different, but they, it's essentially the same thing, a grain made, baked, yeah. whatever. And I realized that uh, spirituality oftentimes gets so confusing because it's really similar in that all these other uh, practices or religions I now believe, like, well, of course, why wouldn't why someone in Japan that grew that has their faith practices, why wouldn't that tradition lead them to a place of having a different word for God or the universe than my being grown up in Middle America evangelical world? But who's and so my thing for the longest time was trying to separate these things. I got to find the truth, whatever. Instead of realizing it's more of like a dance. So for me, I just say that with the with the manifesting thing, it gets a little woo-woo for people because it has this, this intangible, like, oh, I'm just going to think this. It's, it has like this Santa Claus thing, like a Santa Claus list vibe of like, yeah. I want these things and they're going to come to me. And I just believe, you know, our whole history of like, I just have this bad taste in my mouth of all these um, prosperity gospel. Because you and I in our upbringing have a different word for manifesting and it's called prayer requests give God the Santa Claus in the sky your list of things that you would like yeah. uh, and then just sit around and wait for him to deliver as long as you pray enough or hard enough or whatever. Well, all these things, that was like the belief. Yeah. And so I've realized my incorrect ideas of prayer and how things work uh, and lists and all that stuff, there's actual, that gets really confusing because you have that brings a taste to your mouth. But there's also another force in the universe that exists as well that we don't think is woo-woo or like highfalutin. And it's just called magnetism. Like magnets exist and you can't see a magnet attracting to each other. But science tells us, oh yeah, there's a law for magnetism and negative attracts positive and whatever. I just remember my dad coming home from uh, work. He was an aviation electrician. And so he's working on like electronics wiring airplanes when I was younger. So he'd come home and have like little science experiences he made up for us. 
to kind of like teach us about electronics, yeah. just uh, just made it fun. And he, one of them was he had these this magnet with a hole in the middle, and he brought it home and he showed us how you take a screwdriver and he touches a screw, and the screw doesn't hold on to the screwdriver because it's not magnetized. But then you take this magnet and you run it back and forth, and it and it polarizes the like the ions or whatever that is. And on of metal, so it's actually it's directing like it into a positive direct, directing them all in the same direction. But what it would do, then you do this a certain time, and it would organize the electrons maybe in the metal, and then you take the metal and you touch it to the screw, and now it's magnetized. But that <laughs> idea, right? Like yeah. then you you do something. The you, I believe the universe works the same way. At least what I the information I found in my journey has led me to believe that the universe works in the same way. That magnetism exists and there are things that we can do that create an environment for things to be attracted to us. And I, yeah. I, my problem was with prayer and things, my original thought about manifesting was that it was all external. Like the things are out there and how can I just get these things that are other than me to me, right? Yeah. And I've realized the entirety of the work is how do I focus inward and create an environment and position myself in a way that allows me to be maybe aware. Like, how do I tune my inner radio station to pick up on the radio waves that are just ideas floating around the universe? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what all of all of these things, in a way, it's, it's as if, if we're going back to the way, what you were talking, I believe what you were talking about when you said it the first time was aligning yourself with like the way things work in the universe. And if you think of it as a, even just like a river or whatever, and you're like, do I wanna drop my boat in and and row with the river? Or do I wanna turn around and row the other way? Oh, yes. Which is like, when you're looking around the world and saying like, that's not bread, that's not bread, this is bread. Yes. <laughs> you know, like, oh. you, if you feel like everything is a fight to protect your version and your language around something. Oh my gosh. You're, and you're always yes. trying to, yeah, and like we always, there's all this language that we came up with that makes you feel like, you know, there's gonna be trials and tribulations and you're gonna be the only person who thinks this way and whatever. Like, so you're conditioned to expect that everything's friction and a fight. And oh, yes. if the difference of if manifesting is actually like dropping your boat in the river the right direction. Oh, dude, <laughs> yes. Oh, man, because we do that. It's like ingrained in us in childhood. Yeah. You go to school, and what are the things that they send you home with homework on? They figure out what you're bad at. So then, like, we're trained from a young age to just focus on all the things we're bad at yes. or things we need to get better at. Instead, instead of, your, of what are your interests and what, what do you get? Yes, and major on those. Yes. Oh, it's so funny. I, yeah. It's so funny that you said the river analogy because I literally have had the same, and like, mental picture the past i have been on a tr like a transformative journey over the past few years in coming into my just my own like learning actually who i am and like my the river i'm on is like that that picture is that the best way to describe it that's always comes to my mind is like no i have a journey like this each our each of our lives are like this river and your goal is to try to understand yourself and how you fit in that and quit looking at someone else's boat and their trajectory and like paddling your ass off to go the way they're going. Yeah. When you can find, it's so much easier when you just let go and you just, I, I don't know, I, I guess just letting go for me and just um, quit trying to force things. Yeah. Well, dude, I grew up 
years one through 19 living a few blocks from a river. Uh, I've lived the last 13 years of my life a few blocks from a river. Mm. And I never, I didn't really put that, and I've always, I've realized I've always lived really close to a body of water, whether it was in college, yeah. Uh, when I like worked at camp in the summer, yeah, I was always very close to it, and I sometimes feel a little claustrophobic. Like some people live on like deeper northeast. I'm yeah. like, oh, it's great here, but uh, yeah, I'm not by the water. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not like by where the, everything opens up around it. A couple of years ago, I was thinking about a river for some reason. I was just like, there's something crazy about a river that it is always the same and it is never the same. Yes. The same water, the same combination, the same river. It's always different, but there's something about it that is always the same depending on how you look at yes. it. Yes. So there's this like consistency to it. Every time you step into the ri- a river, you're stepping into a different river. That's the th- it's funny. I have a friend. The first in, in the first few years of me really starting to unpack some of the stuff that I grew up with, and like not not wanting to throw out the baby with the bathwater, but feeling like ah, oh. like I was thinking about some things, and he goes. That's great. What what made you think? I was like, I don't know. He goes, he goes. Well, like in the tradition of like what you grew up in, there's a there's a part of the like the writings that says truth will come to you in your sleep in the night. Oh, like your yes. brain, like you yeah. have an understanding of things, yeah. right? It's like, oh, so I don't have to like have a reference verse, <laughs> yes, <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, you know. But there's things you can do. That and that's not even uh, that is. Um, I, mean, I was just reading John Cleese's uh, new book called Creativity, and he talks about the need to start using your subconscious and utilizing it. And there's a way to use your subconscious. So it's like, yeah, it'll come to you, but there's a way you can position yourself in bed before going to sleep that allows you to be a little bit more in tune to getting that. And his thing is right on a post-it note, like right before you go to bed, the last thing you should you should see is if there's a problem in your life. And again, I start talking about this, and I think I get like weird. My my old instinct comes to me like, oh, this is too out there. This is, this is just silliness. But it it's it's scientific. Like our subconscious brain is still at work when we are asleep. And so go to bed. Right if there's a problem you have, or like a part of a song that you're trying to figure out, yeah. put it on a post note. Just read it right before going to bed, and then let go of it. And just try and then like fall asleep. Let it be the last thing you think about before falling asleep. And you're you're like kind of putting it in the cachet of what your subconscious is working on. So that's a great example. The fact that you over the past couple weeks have been having these, you know, things pop up or like these thoughts or ideas about manifesting, right? Yeah. I've been in the same thing, putting things together and started recognizing different things. I had a conversation with TD Mishki, a buddy of mine who's a he was on the podcast. He's a uh, a radio um, personality, uh, pretty famous in the Twin Cities. And we had a whole long conversation, him giving me advice about, that I want to share with you about uh, manifesting. And it just seems like, oh man, this is a coincidence, is the language we'd use. But actually, it's the way the universe and our subconscious works. Because if you bought a, what's a car, like I don't, I have no relationship with, a Volkswagen Beetle. I have no relationship with that. But if I bought one today and I started driving one, I would instantly, the amount of those Volkswagens I would see on the road, 
I'd be like, where are these coming Even from? If you started thinking about buying a Volkswagen. If I did, then all of a sudden you start seeing them all the time. Yep. And that's like the thing, I, there's a name for it, I can't remember, but it's our subconscious is just now, nothing's changed in the universe of the people around you, but right. now you position yourself for at least your subconscious to be like, a, like fishing for it. Like yes. in the stream that is our lives, this information, and I think this whole thing defines, uh, is like, this is the foundation of curiosity. It's for me. It's rec uh, when it comes to creativity and stuff like this. It's recognizing like all the shits around us right now, and it's just positioning ourselves in a way to like r start listening. It's all of a sudden just funny how many more coincidences start happening in life. Well, so maybe this is. I think this is along the same line. You tell me. So we've been doing the video thing for a while. A lot of what we do is we are interviewing people, but in a way that we are invisible. So what we're trying to do is get a full soundbite out of somebody mm -hmm. that is a sincere experience to them. But this is the key part, is the down the track of what tells the whole story. So um, the question of should it be an if you're asking someone an open-ended question versus a specific question. Mm -hmm. So we had a, we have a client that most of the time we don't think about this because we know we kind of have our own way of doing it, my brother and I do. But when I had to explain to someone just yesterday, to a client, I was writing an email and I was saying, here's the question that you've kind of written out for us to ask this person in the interview. And they could go 50 different directions that could all be very sincere, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But if you say, let's just pretend it's like about therapy, right? Like when you have had breakthrough, like, instead of saying, what are breakthrough moments that you've had with a client? Say, when you've had breakthrough moments with a client struggling with depression, what have you seen happen in their life? You know, that's, mm. it's kind of the same question. Yes. But one of them is like, I'm putting my arms out really wide. Yes. One of them is, could be this wide for the answer, but yes. the other one is going like this. Yes. Right? You're, you're like deciding what the story is a little bit. Yes. And then your antennas are up for any version of it that pops up around you. Yes. And even if it's not exactly, if that's not what someone's exactly talking about, like what you've been finding, so much of your life recently has like pointed back, and I mean, not even just recently, you're talking about years. Oh yeah. It has been like, the through line of your story has been manifestation. Yes. Like you could have a long time ago decided it was manifestation, but this is now looking back. So yeah. as you're organizing your thoughts moving forward, you're kind of seeing like these th of this wide spectrum of what everything could be. This is the this is the direct question that I need to be asking. Yes. This is the one that seems the most important. Yes. And like defines the story. Yes. Instead of just being like about everything. Yes. Yeah. That is one of my curiosity doctrines. I believe a truth I've I believe at this moment is that the universe responds to the specific request. Yes, yeah, that was a big, sorry. Uh, no, I love it, <laughs> I love that, it's, it's just it. It's just like the more, and I think there's a place for the vague manifest, specifically vague, which I learned last week. I just had a conversation with someone that blew my mind and I'm just like really embracing right now. So is the vagueness, is the, the request, is the vague request in some ways, like with the thing that I've been manifesting, it's like, once I started it, yes, this thing that was at first very vague and loose, I just felt like I needed to do, I got really specific. Yeah. About, oh, it, 
it needs to be this. Yes. It needs to be this. It needs yeah. to be this. I want it this way. I want it this way. Yes. I want it to serve this function in my life with my family. I want to serve this function in my spirit and the way that I make other people feel. Yes. And yes. 100%. Yeah. Okay. Before I, before I tell you that, I, I want to say, I feel like it'd be best to like explain this Harry Potter analogy Please. of it. Yeah, and like talking about the overarching like laws of what manifesting is before the specifics of what the action steps I've learned. Yeah. For me, I, what I used to believe manifesting was, this is what I text you, I used to believe that manifesting was the belief that you attract what you want. And I now realize it's the understanding that you attract what you are. And so a good example of that was, there's a scene in Harry Potter, uh, you guys have read all the, have you watched all the movies? Uh, with the girls? We've watched through six. Okay. By the way, I feel so lame being a 36-year-old man referencing Harry Potter. But it is just like... I cried a few times. Oh, yes. As a, as a 30, yeah. whatever I was when I read them. So... Yes. Okay. So there's this there's a scene in Harry Potter that changed the. Sarah and I talk about it all the time. It changed travel. It changed our relationship, our future, everything for us. And the scene is, um, in Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. The whole the whole storyline is that right. You watch the movie, and essentially Harry Potter and his uncle about or his godfather about to die, and from across the lake. Uh, there yes. is there he sees he, he sees what he thinks is his dad yeah. who he knows to be dead saves him mm -hmm. right so someone else and the whole movie is about time travel so at this point in the thing he assumes his dad saved him they go back in time so the whole second half of the movie is them going through these scenarios and you see the other side of what caused all these things to happen and you start seeing that oh all these like a rock flying through the window or something yes. happening or uh, this hippogriff being saved. It was actually them going back in time doing it. Yep. So I love the time travel. I love time travel movies. It is an amazing like moment. Oh, it is. Because yeah. it's the most perfect. It's one of the best time travel uh, scenarios in movie that just makes sense because you see all the things already happen and, and then you realize, oh, they, they're the ones that caused yes. it all. Yes. Right. You, you, you mostly see it from... Starting the present, going backward. Mm -hmm. This one actually goes through, yes. and then loop, does the loop. Yes, 100%. Yeah. And so the one of the ma the mass massive finale of the movie is, um, so they've they're right. They've gone back in time. They've gone th straight through that storyline, and now Harry and Hermione are positioned on the other side of the lake, oh, watching. I know, right? Watching Harry and his godfather. Uh, being a, attacked by Dementors, about to die, and Harry Potter's on the other side of the lake going, watching himself almost die, and saying, right here, we're standing right here, just wait a second, at any moment, my dad's gonna show up. And Hermione's like, nobody's coming, your dad's dead, like this isn't, like no one's coming, you have to do something. And then finally, after this like massive buildup, he casts this huge spell, and he's the one that saves them. And he had struggled the whole the, the whole, whole movie, yes. The whole the Patronus. Yeah, the whole movie is him like struggling to create the Patronus. Yes. And then he casts it, and then it cuts in the next scene. He and Hermione are flying on the hippogriff, and he's telling her, he's like, Oh, I I could I cast that spell finally because I knew I could do it. Because yes. I had already done it. Yes. Because I knew I had already done it, I could do it. So then it gave me the confidence to do it, and I was the one who saved myself all along. Yes. Right? It's like so simple. It's so and simple. So, 
But, but not. <laughs> hidden within that is a truth of the universe yeah. that shows up in different Eastern European practices and ways in life. And so for Sarah and I, for our, our marriage, what, what that first impacted us was the realization that nobody's coming for us. Like, what are the things that are priorities to us is travel. Like, it is one of the most important things to us to experience as much as possible while we're healthy together. And we got to a point where we realized together, us two and Sarah, like nobody's coming and going to give us a, a ticket to see the world, freebie or something. Yeah. It, if we want to do it, we're the ones, in every situation we talk about ourselves, so we have to make things happen yes. and we know we can, so we got to take ourselves over there. And that's not woohoo, that's practical. Everybody would say, oh, yep, totally agree. Yeah. Manifesting is just doing that on the inside of you. Yeah. I believe. Yes. So Sarah texts, Sarah texts, this is so crazy. Yeah, two days ago when I was in, uh, in, I was in Wisconsin, Sarah texted me this long quote I want to read you. Um, which, again, a few years ago, I'd be like, it's so crazy we're having this conversation. I'd say that on the podcast all the time. Yeah. Oh, it's so crazy we're having this, because I just, no, I now I need to just get used to it, because this is how it works, in right? article I read, it was like, don't be surprised if like this starts coming up all over the place. Right? Yeah. Uh, okay, so Sarah was, uh, she just finished that book, Eat, Pray, Love. Yeah. Which I always thought was cheesy, until I was like, ugh, whatever. And just from the outside, and then just Sarah read it. Just because it got huge. Just because it got huge, and yeah. it just seemed kind of, and like the movie was just kind of eye-rolly or whatever. But then Sarah starts reading it and sends me all these quotes from it. And I'm like, oh, there are some deep, important things Who's in this book. I think that's Liz Gilbert's. Liz Gilbert. yeah, I was going to say Elizabeth Warren, but that's not who wrote it. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Can I read you this? It's Please. like a couple paragraphs. Okay. okay. This is within the book. It's towards the end of the book where she's talking about her own journey. And she says, I was not rescued by a prince. I was the administrator of my own rescue. My thoughts turned to something I read once, something the Zen Buddhists believe. They say that an oak tree is brought into creation by two forces at the same time. Obviously, there's the acorn from which it all begins, the seed which holds all the promise and potential, which grows into a tree. Everybody can see that. But only a few can recognize that there's another force operating here as well, the future tree itself which wants so badly to exist that it pulls the acorn into being, drawing the seedling forth with longing out of the void, guiding the evolution from nothingness to maturity. In this respect, says the Zens, it is the oak tree that creates the very acorn from which it was born. The younger me was the acorn, full of potential, but it was the older... <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah, um, sorry. The younger me was the acorn full of potential, but it was the older me, the already existent oak, who was saying the whole time, yes, grow, change, evolve, come and meet me here where I already exist in the wholeness and maturity. I need you to grow into me. Oh, dude, it's so fucking beautiful. Yeah. Talk about the truths <sighs> that exist in the universe. Yes. Being like, oh, wait, why is that? That story exists right there in that version. That story exists in the Patronus. Yes. Thing. Yes. Like all of these other. Oh yes. Yeah. And dude, it's a truth that's not. I don't. I don't. It just like hits me because it's just pure. I connect with that. Like you know, it's you. You like stumbled upon a truth that like every cell of your being just goes yes, yes. That's true. That's true. There exists in the universe. A version, there is a me that exists, like an like in in pureness and whatever I would consider success, 
like existing and flowing ex- in my own unique river, who is confident, who has who has work to be done on earth, meaningful creative work that fulfills me, that pays our bills, that I'm help whatever the the ultimate image of health would be. That person exists and is and is pulling me towards it. There's energy and I I make decisions all the time that go against that, you know, unhealthy decisions, yeah. doing something I know I shouldn't be doing. Yeah. Spending time in relationships that I know I shouldn't be investing in. And another thing I think is really important with the manifesting thing is that, again, for me, my biggest mindset change is the mindset of other and later than and if then. If only somewhere like my happiness, my existence, my fulfillness, all whatever I need exists somewhere outside of me at other time other than right now. And when that changed in my life from that fulfillment, my for me specifically, I'm thinking about confidence. I've always been insecure about everything, my entire musicianship, you name it, I'm insecure, I've been insecure about. I've always thought, well, once I do this, then I'll be confident, a confident bass player. Once I get this gig, or I do these kind of things, and I realize, oh, nothing magically happens. It's It's all, everything happens within and right now is the only place to be living. Those thoughts aren't going away. There's no magical like, oh, now I've got it figured out. Yes. That's yes. never coming. So I need to do what I can right now to exist within this and be happy in the present moment or content or whatever. Dude, I had a uh, Bob Schumberg. Yeah. Um, we were all out at Joel Hansen's house and Bob, Bob was a lot. The comedian? Yeah, Bob the Comedian, Joel Hansen the Comedian, who's yeah. mostly a musician. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, yeah. And then... Because um, all musicians want to be comedians, and all comedians want to be musicians. That's the rule, yeah. Well, I also think that when you're a musician and you are constantly traveling, meeting new people, you are exposing yourself to different versions of humor. And you, pick up, uh, uh-huh. you get the opportunity to pick up a lot yeah. on the way. Yes. And you have these moments. You're always in the meet new people mode. Yes. And, like, make people feel comfortable mode. Yes. Um, you're snapping it. Okay, are you kind of a slapsticky or are you kind of a more cerebral here? Where are we going? Yeah, yeah. Where's the line? I can't. For me, it's like, where's the line? Well, how crude of, of a yes. joke can I tell? How distasteful if can you, I go without? If you find the line, <laughs> you make friends for life. Oh, yeah, 100%. So you're exposed to a lot. And then, so Bob was to Joel a lot of what Joel, who Bob is, was to Joel, what Joel is, was to me. Yeah. In like, kind of like the same generational distance mm-hmm. and then like lifting yeah. you up yeah, and like giving you opportunities that maybe you haven't earned yet, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And Bob was just asking me the way that someone like Bob does, like, what are you thinking about? Mm-hmm. What are you doing? What's shifting? And I was like telling him and like, and like, and it, it was kind of in a, you know, this shift that I have been, that's been like started happening, you know, what, four or five years ago, whatever. Yeah. Uh, just both like career wise and interest wise and thought wise. He goes, I love, oh, I love that. Do you, and, and like, I was, I was kind of like hinting at like, and kind of asking him like, is this okay? That I'm like shifting all the time. Like every few years, he's like, I still do it. And he was like early seventies, I think at the time. He's like, I wake up and I'm like, oh, what is it now? What is the thing? He goes, people like us, that doesn't stop. So you have to stop worrying about that, that it's happening. Just know that's the cycle. Like, Oh yes. Just giving me the permission to be like, Oh no, this, 
this isn't an aberration. This isn't abnormal. This is just what it is. This is the way it works. Put that thought process to rest. Because yes. this is yeah. just who you are. Yeah. You're constantly going to have like, oh, that way. Okay, this yeah. this thing feels comfortable. Now I got to get uncomfortable again. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. You know? I, when we have somebody like this conversation, the first natural instinct, because I've trained my brain to think this way, is for me to want to say something like, I wish I would have known that. 10 years ago, yeah. 20 years ago, because yeah. I, my whole music career would have been like, I would have unlocked so many things to understand that truth. But now, because of this, because of uh, this, these these rivers, ancestral, whatever, pulling us here, now I actually, I stop myself and I say to my past self, I say, thank you. Thank you for getting me here safely to a place mm. where I could yeah. accept and understand that. Yes. So I do a lot of thanking my past self when I used to judge, the things yes. I used to judge. Rob Morgan is an internationally touring bassist on a journey to discover what it means to live a curious life. At thecuriouspod.com, you'll find an archive of conversations reported all over the world, a map of recording locations, a weekly newsletter, and official podcast merchandise. Every day for a year, Rob is drinking a pint of Guinness and recording a daily podcast where he's sharing insights into the creative journey and the secrets to living a curious life that he's discovered from over a decade of traveling the world with music. We here at Curious Endeavors have told him this is probably a mistake and he's in Egypt to attempt it, but he won't budge, so that's where we're currently at. We hope you'll enjoy.